costumes I thought were great. Who is that big kid in the black one? <laughs> it's great to see that as adults we can let our hair down sometimes and uh, I think uh, children make fools of us all and it's all a good thing. Uh, but this morning I have the great privilege to introduce our speaker who is of course on week three of this great series we've had called The Do-Over. So uh, can I ask you to put your hands together for Carmen as she comes and keeps delivering a great message. guys may be seated. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mum. Awesome. This morning, we're going to shake off. We're going to shake off the old so God can bring in the new. We're in our third week of the do-over based on Ephesians. And before we dive in this morning, let's just bow our heads and, and pray and give this morning to God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much that you are the God of the second chance. Like we would a do-over or a renovation in our own home, Lord. We just, we've, we've emptied out the place. We've put down the drop sheets and we're starting afresh. And we thank you that you give us a second chance, a new identity. Lord, and we thank you that not only do you give us a fresh start, you give us a place to belong, a new family. And, and in our renovation, we let in people. We let in people to help us paint and to polish. And today, God, Lord, we bring in the new. We bring in the new furniture, the new paintings. We let you redecorate our lives. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whew. Has power. So, yes, we're in our, in our third week, our third Sunday of this series, The Do-Over. In the first week, we discovered our new identity because God loved us or loves us and chose us in Christ. We can start with a clean slate. Last week, we talked about the new family we have in Christ. You know, God adopts us as his children, unites us with a family of fellow believers, and it is a diverse global family. We belong. And this is the foundation for our do-over. And today, we're going to dive into the second half of Ephesians, which Paul marks at the start of chapter 4 with the word Therefore, in light of our new identity and our new family, Paul is calling us to action, action stations. He's calling us to a new way of life, new behaviours that every believer in Christ should have, that marks us, that sets us apart. And today we will explore how our new behaviour is made up of, of four areas. It's new life new perspective, new clothes, and a new spirit. So our key scripture for today is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 to 24. 
Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Or in the TSV version, the Taylor Swift version, we shake it off. We shake it off. We shake it off. It wasn't random. Everything I do has a purpose. (laughs) So new life, new life. God created us in his image, truly righteous and holy. But Adam and Eve decided not to trust God and sinned. (sighs) Buggers. And all of humanity inherited a sinful nature because of that act. But God loves us so much, so, so much that he sent his only son to die in our place, to take that old sinful nature to the grave. And through the resurrection of Jesus, God chooses us and makes us new. But God wants to do so much more than just save us from our sin and reserve us the seed in heaven. He wants to restore us to the glorious creation that he intended us to be. He wants to restore us so, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 3.19, we can be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's Steve Mackey who... um, who's part of the Bible Project team. We've watched some of their videos. He's, he's a theologian and professor, and he says this, the truth about who I really am and how I live is continually being restored by this resurrection power. Jesus took our sin to the grave and in his resurrection gave us new life, new nature. The moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we are given that new nature a chance at a do-over. But our restoration to being truly and righteous and holy is a continual process. You know, I've seen people walk away from church and a relationship with Jesus because they expected God to be a genie. You know, in three wishes, just take away all their hurt and pain and anger and all their problems and get despondent and discouraged and just walk away. But God doesn't work like that. I found that God doesn't work like that. A walk with Jesus is a journey. And the Bible makes that really clear. God can't fix us and he won't fix us overnight. We learn as we make mistakes. We aren't perfect. But if we are led by the Spirit, it will be a beautiful journey of transformation. So God saves you. He saves me. So we can have a new identity, a new family, and a transformed life where we behave in a way that honours him. And in doing so, we call attention to the glory of God. You know, in, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That is our new light, our new life. It shines. A new perspective too, a new perspective, the second part. 
So over the last couple of weeks, I, I touched on um, the climate in the church in Ephesus, um, which has a lot to do with the content of Paul's letter. So Paul wants both the Jewish and non-Jewish or Gentile believers to grasp the new perspective that Christ brings to their lives and that it should unite them and set them apart from those who don't believe in Christ. So on the one hand, we have this Jewish community. So believers in Christ who've got a Jewish heritage. And they feel like their historical heritage as God's chosen people makes them special and gives them an advantage over non-Jewish believers or Gentiles. But Paul wants these Jewish believers to understand it is not the physical conditions that set them apart anymore, like circumcision and dietary restrictions. Everyone says amen. Thank goodness. I don't have to worry about the circumcision part, but... Dietary restrictions. If I couldn't eat bacon, there would be trouble. There would be trouble. Burger has to have bacon on it. You've got to have bacon with your eggs. It just, it's, that would just be bad. And a hungry Carmen is not a happy Carmen, as, as my husband's discovered over the last 10 years. Not good. So it is the condition of their hearts and how that works in the way followers of Christ treat one another and of course those outside the church that now sets them apart. It is about the heart. And on the other hand, we have these Gentiles from Ephesus who are coming into the church from a very promiscuous, materialistic and self-centered culture. Now does that sound a little bit familiar? Interesting, hey? So Paul has been calling for unity and now he's calling for action on two. It's like the, ne the next layer on top. So Paul wants these non-Jewish believers to grasp a new perspective that God has a new way of life for them that is completely opposite to the lifestyle that they've grown up in. As Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and verse 1, he wants them to imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Being adopted into this new family means a new way of behaving. Paul is encouraging believers and giving them hope. And these passages, Paul is revealing to us that our new identity in Christ will change our motivations, changes our heart. And therefore, in, in the context of our new family and the support of our new family, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, our behaviours will change. And this will completely reshape and redefine our lives. So that is our new perspective. And on this journey, let me encourage you with each step of obedience, we will see God mould us and shape us to be more like him. Like a caterpillar morphing into a butterfly, slowly changing from one form to another, God will lead us step by step into the fullness of life and power he has for us. And what kind of life does he want to restore us to? Paul very clearly outlines these new, new behaviours in chapters 4 and 5. He, we aren't left guessing, and I love that about Paul. He spells it out. It's not cryptic. It's not a mystery for us to solve. He gives us the answer and empowers us and encourages us. So these new clothes, this new nature, what is it? In Ephesians 4, 24... 
Paul instructs us to put on our new nature, like putting on new clothes. And he also says this in his letter to the Galatians. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And it's the most powerful illustration. Like I said, in the TSV version or the Taylor Swift version, we shake off. We shake off our old habits and behaviours and we replace them with new ones. So in chapters 4 and 5, we see Paul encourage believers to exchange old behaviours for new ones. And I've pulled out seven key areas for us today. Replacing lies with truth, anger with peace, theft with generosity, gossip with encouragement, revenge with forgiveness, promiscuity with self-control, drunkenness with God's spirit. And we're going we're gonna to have some fun today, as you can see. We're going to have some fun with these new clothes. And, and, and these dark, dark, heavy clothes are going to represent our, our old nature, our, our old behaviours. And we're going to replace them with bright, colourful new ones, new behaviours that represent Christ. So I'm just going to shimmy over here a little bit. So... You must be my family because you're going to see me getting dressed today. So we have, I'm just going to put on a few extras, a few extras. So coat of lies. Oh, oh man, that is heavy. Why did I buy this coat? Okay, pants of anger. I won't get dressed or undressed with my pants. Uh, that, that wouldn't be good. You'll go running for the hills. No one wants to see that. It's not appropriate. Okay. Scarf of gossip. Oh, oh, it's not feeling good. A necklace, my necklace of revenge here. Oh, okay, feeling weighed down already. Oh, my handbag of promiscuity. Here it is. We had to come up with something. We had to come up with something. Thanks, Ash, for all your help. Okay, my shoes, my shoes drunkenness today all right so more good here you can still hear me all right so lies Ugh. let's get ready to get rid of that Ugh. so oh now I can't move my pad okay so we shroud our lives with a web of lies can't we it make us look like something that we're not or even well-intentioned ones can land us in a huge mess. God calls us to take off that way of life. In the message version, um, Ephesians 4.25 says, No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbour the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. So we take it off. We take it off, get rid of the lies. Oh, Jesus help us. Let's replace them. Oh, let's replace it with truth. Let's replace it with truth. Oh, there we go. Speak truthfully with a spirit of kindness 
and a guard over our mouths. Speak the love and the truth of Jesus in words and in actions. My pants, my pants of anchor. I mean, there's a reason they say cranky pants, a grumpy bum. You know, it's not a sin to be angry. Let me say that. It's not a sin to be angry. In fact, in verse 26 of the message, it says, Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Gosh, so true. And let me be honest with you. This is something I really struggle with. You think, surely not. That sweet old thing. Surely she can't get angry. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's something God's really working with me on. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, one version says. And I tend to like hold it in, hold it in, I can deal, I can deal. And it's at the most inconvenient, inappropriate moment. Who's done that before? I think we've all done that before. But that's when the devil gets in. When we're holding it, holding in, he niggles in our mind and gets in here and it's not good. So Paul says, take it off. Take it off. As I said, I won't take off my pants. That's just plain inappropriate. But instead... We put on peace. We don't harbour anger. Instead, we seek to peacefully resolve situations. We learn to respond instead of reacting. Beautiful. Oh, the gloves of theft. We thought this was a little bit appropriate. Little pickpocket. (laughs) So this is a bit of a juicy one. This is a bit of a juicy one. You... You, you may think, oh gosh, I've never stolen anything or if I have, it was, a, was when I was a kid and it was a lolly from the corner store, you know, oh, sorry God. But have you ever used someone as a means to an end or exploited them for your own gain? Or you bent the rules or lied on your tax return or, you know, got cash jobs that you haven't declared or haven't returned money you've borrowed from someone? Paul says God desires that you work hard with your hands, work honestly and be generous to others. So we take that off and we put on generosity. We put it on something light and beautiful. We put on generosity. It means that we're, that we're not selfish, really. We don't withhold. We're mindful of others and their needs. We're generous on every occasion. And ultimately, it means that we trust God to supply our every need according to his riches, not trying to work it out in our own strength. Oh, the scarf of gossip. Cover up that mouth. Cover up that mouth. This is easy to slip into this one. And it's not just the ladies either. It's not just the ladies, don't point your fingers at us. (laughs) It's so tempting and it's so easy to fall into this temptation. You know, one version says that not to use or don't use foul or abusive language and another says unwholesome talk. So we put on encouragement. We take off, we take off that old behaviour, shake it off and we put on encouragement. 
We put it on. We say only what is helpful, what benefits others and builds them up. Encouragement is the language of love. And I, I love encouragement. <laughs> it's, it's my love language. It, it builds me up. But you know, even if it's not your love language or it's not someone else's, it, it's never wasted. It means that you're thinking of someone else. You're putting, you're putting them first in your mind and you're, you're seeking to see them as God sees them. And that's always a good thing. Oh, necklace of revenge, huh? In the message version, verses 31 and 32 say this, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk, be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. So let's take it off. Let's choose to be unoffendable. Now, doesn't mean that offence won't happen or we won't feel hurt. But instead of slandering others, we take on an attitude of forgiveness. When offence crosses our path, it's already a done deal. God in Christ has forgiven us of everything we have done or ever will do wrong in the future. If God can forgive us, we can be giving, for forgiving, sorry, kind and gracious towards others. Oh, handbag. Promiscuity is a hard one. It's a hard one to say. It's not very comfortable. Really, what, what Paul is encouraging believers here is that instead of gratifying every sexual impulse, believers now exercise self-control. We exercise some self-control. We honour God with our bodies and how we interact with others. We are set apart in our decency. You know, as stated in Genesis, God designed intimacy to be between one man and one woman and God wants to restore us to our creation glory. And last of all, these shoes, these shoes of drunkenness. Oh, no. Look, Paul is a, yeah, I'm such a drunkard, such a drunkard. No, that's not me. I can only tolerate about a glass of wine. <laughs> My threshold is so low after having three kids, so low. Anyway, so Paul isn't saying that we, that we can't enjoy a nice glass of our favourite wine, not at all. Paul is encouraging believers to live a life that represents their relationship with Jesus so if I'm seeking God to restore my heart and resolve my troubles, work through them, I won't turn to alcohol to drown my sorrows. The message version says that drinking too much cheapens our lives. You know, um, even as young as 14, kids at my school, and I, I forgot I meant to ask the girls what it's like at the moment. I heard, I've heard it hasn't changed much. But they were, as young as 14, they were starting to drink and party and drink really heavily. And it was interesting, you know, and, and very sad that often the kids who drank the most had some sort of trauma or their parents were divorced or getting divorced. Or I noticed they spent a lot of time in the counsellor's office during the week at school. They were looking to, to alcohol to drown their sorrows and escape their reality. But instead, <laughs> Paul calls us 
take that off. You think, how does she get dressed and undressed so quickly? I have two minutes in the morning to get dressed. My kids are five and under. I have two minutes to get dressed. <laughs> Here we go. We are filled oh, with the Holy Spirit. I know I must be looking very pretty right now. <laughs> very pretty. <sighs> so we're filled with the Spirit. Our minds won't be filled with thoughts of partying hard and getting drunk to have a good time and ignore our problems. We are filled with the Spirit. We are looking for opportunities to praise God for everything He has done. We are moved from sorrow to joy, from depression to thankfulness. We turn to God to resolve our problems and heal our brokenness. So just to recap, we are replacing lies with truth anger with peace, theft with generosity, gossip with encouragement, revenge with forgiveness, promiscuity with self-control, drunkenness with God's spirit. These are our new clothes. This is what God wants to embrace and he will take us on that journey. You know, <laughs> a new spirit. Hmm. You know, if you're anything like me, you can look at every area and think, gosh, I fall short in some way. If not in action, then certainly in my thoughts. And, it, and I can easily get frustrated because so often I do the thing I don't want to do. And sometimes I do it again and again. And, and as a perfectionist, as I confessed to you in week one, it's very frustrating. You're very hard on yourself. But even Paul understands this. In his letter to the Romans, he says, in um, Romans 7, 15, he says, I don't really understand myself. For what? For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And we've all been there. We all do it. But our do-over, our do-over is a continual restorative process. We aren't perfect and we will make mistakes. When the devil uses those opportunities to condemn us and fill us with guilt, because he will, because he will, because he'll come along and he'll try, but we can stand on the truth of the word of God that says, I can live liberated because the living God loves us and empowers us and picks us up when we fall. Absolutely, because of Jesus, we live under God's amazing grace. And this grace isn't an excuse to do whatever we want and get away with it. But rather when we do sin, when we aren't perfect, we can ask for forgiveness. We pick ourselves up and we start again. We go again. We shake off. We keep dancing. We keep walking. We keep going. This is our do-over. And it's also where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit chooses to enter our lives when we give our hearts to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God with us, empowering us, encouraging us, guiding us. When we go to behave in a way that dishonours God, we might feel a sharp twang in our spirit. We might just feel like, oh, or a knock on our shoulder like, hmm. We might go to say something and the words just don't come out. We might reach for that third drink and all of a sudden 
we think, hmm, that might actually not be such a great idea. And one day, we will look back and realise how much our lives have changed since we met Jesus. We will be encouraged by how outwardly our lives reflect the inward change of heart we've had. And our friends, our family, our colleagues will start noticing it too and will be drawn to God because your life is shining Christ. So today, we have explored how our new behaviour is made up of new life, new perspective, new clothes, <laughs> and new spirit. George, can I get you up? Sorry, you have to come through the maze here. <laughs> awesome. So in a moment, we're going to spend a few minutes in the presence of God and give him an opportunity to speak to us perhaps about an area of our life that truly needs to reflect him. But right now, I just want to take some time, as we do every week, to give people a chance to enter into a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today and you're searching for a second chance, a chance at a do-over, let me tell you, your search is over. Jesus is our chance at a do-over. When we accept to believe that God loves us so much, so much that He sent His Son to die for our sin so we could be restored to Him, we get a new identity, a new family, and we can embrace new behaviours. And we do this by praying a really simple prayer. So if you are here today and you have never prayed a prayer like this one and you'd like to, we would love to pray it with you today. Likewise, if you once believed in Jesus but don't feel like you identify as a follower of Christ now, then we would love you to pray this prayer too. So in a moment, we're all going to close our eyes and if you would like to pray this prayer, I will ask you to raise your hand I'll acknowledge it, you can put it down and then we will all pray together as a church right where you are and then after the service one of our team would love to help you with that decision and come and chat to you. So let's do that now church, let's close our eyes, bow our heads, respect this moment. Thank you Jesus. So if that's you, if you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer like this one, and you'd really love to, then in a moment, I'd love to you to raise your hand. And likewise, if once you believed in Jesus, but you sort of, that sort of died off, and you really want to recommit to him today, then I invite you to do that too. So now's the time, if that's you, if you're in one of those two categories, love you to raise your hand right now. And then we'll pray together. Thank you, God. Awesome. Awesome, church. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. <laughs> We're just going to spend some time, just a few moments, just letting God speak to us. Why don't you just close your eyes and raise your hands if you, if you want to. And just, just let him speak to your heart. 
you know, there is no condemnation in Christ. God loves us just as we are. But you know what, church? He loves us too much to let us stay the same. And I encourage you to let him in this morning. Is there an area of your life that God's saying, yeah, you need to shift that. You need to shake that off. And he's saying, I'm here. I love you. I'm going to help you. I've given you my word to stand on, my Holy Spirit to empower you, and a family of believers to encourage you along the way. I'm just going to let you have a moment of quiet just to let God speak to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. As we sang this morning, the old is made new when we meet you. We just thank you for this second chance, a chance at a do-over, a new identity, a new family, and new behaviours, a new way of life that sits right, that feels right, because that's how you created us. That's how you intended us to be. Thank you, Lord, that this new life just truly reflects you and it draws others to you. I thank you for this amazing church, this amazing family, incredible group of believers. Thank you, Lord. You encourage them. You empower them. Me, you, us. We are all a work in progress. And God, we thank you. Thank you. You don't leave us to do it alone. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us and helps us. In Jesus' name, amen. Fabulous. Oh, yes, I like this one better. Now, what I was saying that Carmen couldn't hear and therefore didn't mean anything, that was an awesome message. Give her, give her a hand. <clears throat> I was trying to be encouraging there. Just, just wasn't working. Uh, I love that bit that she said about the fact that it's a bit like metamorphosis. Sometimes we turn from something ugly into something beautiful. But there's a the section along the way that always reminds me that nothing appears to be happening. And my encouragement to you this morning is that if you're trying struggling to move forward and, and appears on the surface that nothing's happening, as long as internally you're actually striving to move forward, don't don't lose hope, don't lose heart. God is doing a work inside of us, and that butterfly will come out eventually. So that, that was an encouraging and great message. I. I I felt a bit better about my clothing choices this morning. <laughs> After that, that was really good. Um, but sometimes wearing God's clothes can be uncomfortable. Um, but uh, we're not here to uh, cater to the fashion industry. We're here to actually...
change the world. Sometimes it takes a bit of uh, courage to do that. So, awesome. If, you're, uh, if you've got kids across the road, don't forget that you need to go and collect them right now. Uh, all in.